Hi, welcome to the Seattle Mama Doc Podcast. This is Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. We all work so hard to perfect how we pull off parenthood, and often we may not feel good enough. I'm here to help you face these challenges head on. I'm here with Dr. Sheila Satya Naraina. Thanks for joining me. Um, of course. So first off, she, you know, what she is, is she's a pediatric environmental specialist. And that means she studied, we were residents together after we went to medical school. We did residency at Seattle Children's. And now she's a principal investigator in the Center for Child Health. And she studies ultimately the world in which we live in and raise our kids, the toxins that are present there, and how they ultimately affect human health, but specifically how they affect the health of children who are exceptionally vulnerable because their bodies are different shapes and sizes than adults and they're growing during critical periods of development. Your work is so important in the world that we live in. So thanks so much, Sheila, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Okay, so today we're going to talk really ultimately about chemical exposures in everyday life. Like, like let's just start at, you know, 10,000 feet. Why does it matter and why should parents really care about the chemicals in the environment that their kids are raised in? Yeah, well, we have right now about 80,000 chemicals in commerce and about 3,000 that are really high volume chemicals, which means that they are ubiquitous. They're everywhere in our environment. Mm. Um, They're in products that we use, they're in foods that we eat. And these chemicals have been shown in scientific studies to cause human health impacts, and especially for the most vulnerable, which are the developing fetus and young children, and it's because they have developing organ systems. And so there's been a lot more scientific work in the past 10 to 20 years to really show that these chemicals matter, that they can have harmful health impacts. Yeah, so I mean, and I think most pregnant moms and their partners know this, right? That the minute you get pregnant, you really do start thinking, how much fish am I eating, right? Because you've heard about mercury and, mm-hmm. and what water am I drinking, right? And what food am I ingesting and what lotion am I putting in my body for good reason? Because if on Tuesday you're making kidneys, right? You don't want the kidneys mm-hmm. to actually turn a different shape, right? Or have a different function. Right. Um, and with children, you know, what are the specific parts of children's bodies that you think about when it comes to these more ubiquitous chemicals during development? So mm-hmm. toddlerhood years or baby years? Mm-hmm. Um, so what I have focused on in my own research is reproductive development. Mm-hmm. And that really relates to future fertility and ability to reproduce. But what we're seeing more and more is effects on neurodevelopment. Mm-hmm. And so When you think about the chronic health problems that plague kids today, like hyperactivity or autism um, or just general emotional um, behaviors, uh, we know that... Regulation, like kind of self-regulation. Exactly, emotional regulation. Um, We know that some of these chemicals can really affect children's behaviors, and that's what we're seeing more and more. And in the studies, are they done in people? I mean, do we know, or is it lab animals, or kind of, what do we know? Like, what do we know that some of these chemicals, so let's talk about, let's say, phthalates and Mm -hmm. BPA. Those are two Mm -hmm. that I think parents are pretty familiar with. What do we know about the effects of those chemicals in in the developing fetus, but in in children as well? Mm -hmm. So... A lot of studies are done in animals, and we can't expose humans to a bunch of chemicals and see what happens. We don't want to. (laughs) We don't want to, although we are doing a natural experiment in in our society in some ways. So we look at chemical concentrations in women and pregnant women and also in young children, and we look to see if there are different effects in people who are highly exposed compared to people who are not highly exposed. 
Um, and, and you measure it in their blood and in their urine or just their urine or? Usually just in their urine okay. um, for these chemicals. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about that. Like I, I think about this, like we put lotion on our body, let's say, mm -hmm. that was in a plastic container or um, I eat something that was heated in a microwave in a piece of plastic. I ingest it. It literally gets absorbed in my belly or through my skin into my blood, goes through my kidneys and comes out in my pee. Like, just think of, I mean, I just am spelling that out because it's like when we think about real exposures, the lotion gets into your kidney and out in your pee. Like, it really does go into oh, yeah. and through your body. It does. And and actually, that's one of the biggest developments that happened about, you know, 20 years ago or so. Even when I, even when I started in this field is that we found out that people really are exposed through their everyday products. Well, you and did one of those original experiments looking at your, and babies' urine outputs, right, with right. phthalates. Exactly. Yeah, I remember. And that was what we knew then. Now we know so much more about actual health impacts. And so what are those? List those out. Yeah. So for phthalates, um, what we know is that when pregnant women are exposed, that male fetuses may have abnormal reproductive developmental impacts. Um, and we also know that there may be changes to child's behavior uh, later on. And that's seen whether it's the pregnant mom or, you know, young infant. Uh -huh. um, so boy growing in a mom who's exposed mm -hmm. to phthalates. Phthalates are chemicals that help, like, plastics be bendy, right? They are. So yeah. they're, they're chemicals that would be in a big two-liter container of soda or... Right, like a plastic container, like yeah, that. Yeah, it's or? more. It's more the soft plastics. So, oh. like um, the squeezy toys that might be in your bath. Uh -huh. Those really soft, like the rubber ducky. Uh -huh. That's kind of a classic. Or even in hospitals, IV tubing that's uh -huh. really flexible. Yeah. Um, I think it's less likely to be in the two-liter bottle of soda. In a hard plastic. Yeah. Okay. And so, and and in some ways, just to be clear, and and this is some of the research I was doing that you've written, but ultimately, that part of the way it enters our bodies, ultimately, or these developing moms that we're talking about right now specifically, is that the processing of the food she eats is yeah. con like, you know, you're pasteurizing a cream product through tubing, and the tubing that it's being pasteurized way before you touch it, or this mom touches it, it's already put into the food source that way. Right. So it's not even necessarily, just so you know, listener people, the world, you know, it's not the plastics you're touching and buying so much. It's that the food that you're eating has already been touched by plastic. Exactly. That has the phthalate in it. Exactly. Right? It it plastic. Okay. Yeah. So in, in that case, you're saying um, boys in utero and then potentially when their babies kind of get exposed and they have these reproductive changes. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that like their testicles are a different size or they don't work as well or what happens to them? So it can mean, yes, that their either testicles weren't descended when they were born, mm -hmm. which is a risk factor for testicular cancer yeah. later in life yeah. or decreased fertility later in life. Yeah. Um, or it can mean that they have a shorter what we call an anogenital distance, which means that they just were not ex uh, exposed to um, as much testosterone uh, in utero. In utero. Um, which definitely just changes that just means it changes their anatomy, right? The way right. that basically the distance of the bottom from where their genitals are, right? right. Is different. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, so we know that about it sounds like phthalates in boys. What about BPA, which is yeah. more of the kind of utensils and harder plastics? And mm -hmm. that was a chemical when my baby, so now like 10 years ago, everything started getting labeled BPA free, right? Yeah. What do we know about the effects of BPA in kids? So, bisphenol A was a really, um, interesting chemical. It's used in hard polycarbonate plastics, and uh, it was in baby bottles, and it was in mm -hmm. Nalgene bottles. And now I just want people to know that they have created BPA-free, but usually those uh, products 
contains substitutes, and those substitutes may be just as toxic. And that's kind oh, of the. No. That's kind of. It's like such bad news. I know. It's, it's that, like such a downer. That's, that's why I Buzzkill. really. Buzzkill. It is. Like, I know. Oh I know. I don't that's even what, like how people that. refer to my research. Is like, like so, total buzzkill. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Dimitri's like, you're a big bummer. Yeah. You're um, a big bummer. <laughs> so I love it. It's like, that, that's the thing that bugs me so much about the marketing of this is free of something, this is free of something. Yeah. Sure, it's free of that, but the replacement maybe hasn't yet been researched, right? Right. Yeah. And so that's why I really encourage people to try to decrease the um, their number of plastics. Like in ge- try, totally yeah, in general. Try in to use stainless glass steel, or... glass, and that kind of thing. So if oh. you were advising a young mom and she said, um, I really want to decrease my use of anything that brings this into my life, um, you would you give the advice to say if you're using baby bottles at any time to use glass? I mean, is that, I mean, is it... Now that they're making glass that is really hard to break, I think yeah. that it's not nearly as unsafe as it was, you know, oh, 20 no. years ago. So I yeah. think that... Because there are other chemicals in the glass itself? They're, like, the the way that they create glass, they can make it stronger or less strong. Yeah. Um, and so it it's more about how, it's not that there are more chemicals, it's literally how they're creating it. Um, huh. um, so... So I would recommend using whatever is practical, you know, and yeah. if, if if moms feel like they're too heavy, sometimes that kind of glass is really heavy, yep. then that's fine. Then but then you can yeah. re- you can reduce it in other ways. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit then, you know, when I was doing some reading, partly of things you'd authored, you know, there was some evidence that phthalates potentially led to things like endometriosis and were associated mm-hmm. with overweight or mm-hmm. an elevated body mass index. What do we know about that? Mm-hmm. I mean, is that... Do you yeah. believe that? I mean, is that? I think what's, okay, in this whole area, what I work on is endocrine disrupting chemicals. And these chemicals can affect hormones in the body. So anything that is related health-wise to a hormone in the body mm-hmm. um, could be affected. And endometriosis right. is what we call a hormonal hormonally responsive disease. Mm-hmm. And so if there's more estrogen in the system, then you're going to have more effects. Mm-hmm. And so um, with phthalates, what we found is that there potentially could be affecting that estrogen-based system. And and they have seen that in animal studies, too. Yeah, so yeah. And I, I one of the things I noted was interesting, this isn't necessarily about children, but was that you, you typically, if you're measuring phthalate levels in the urine and populations, you find more phthalates in women than you do men. Mm-hmm. And some theorize it's that women use, like, body wash and different products and mm-hmm. more products, right, if you think right. about the number of products marketed towards women than men do and may be where they get their exposures. Right. So that's a good reminder in the sense of thinking about, you know, um, babies and developing people and when you're pregnant, using maybe less products a good idea. Oh, yeah. And I tell this, I work in the newborn nursery, and I yeah. tell this to parents all the time that your newborn baby does not need any products yeah, at all. Yeah. I mean, unless... They grow There's older. so many sold to parents. It's they remarkable. Really are. So you're nothing. You're saying nothing. They don't I, need lotion. They probably don't need a lot of soap ever, mm-mm. right? Yeah. No, really nothing until around two months of age is when you may see um, health conditions like eczema or something like that where they might need something. But until then, yeah. they really need nothing. Yeah, I, I love that. So it's kind of the less is more phenomenon. Exactly. Can we talk a little bit about um, food source and mm-hmm. where you find phthalates? Since that's a, a, a chemical mm-hmm. that you think about and is a, um, you know, an endocrine disrupting chemical. So if, if you're trying to avoid phthalates, you know, some of the data shows that there are high phthalate levels in cooking oil, 
in kind of cream-based dairy mm-hmm. and in meats. Mm-hmm. And can you explain why those are triggers? So if you're going to live a healthier life with less phthalates, you could avoid these creamy dairy products and avoid meats and try to use different cooking oils, I guess, or what's the... Well, basically what we found is anything that has really high fat content or that is a processed food Mm -hmm. um, can have high concentrations. So Um, Spam. Really bad food for phthalate, probably, huh? Probably. I mean, like yeah. gross, right? I was just yeah. thinking, like, what's a really highly processed fatty meat? Spam. Yeah. 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 So stick away from spam yeah. if you can and yeah. are willing. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so the more that you can decrease that high fat content in your diet, yeah. the better you off you are for decreasing your exposures to these kinds of chemicals. So you could get those fats. I mean, just to thinking, you know, if you're raising a child and you're thinking, okay, well, I have to get them protein. Huh? So you could use peanut butter and avocado and higher mm-hmm. other fats, right? Because exactly. we want kids to have those good fats in the developing time. But you don't necessarily need to use particular like deli meat or something mm-hmm. that's really processed. Right. It's And just as a reminder, as I'm learning it, it's really that as the food goes through the processing and packaging, that's when it's contaminated with phthalates. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's like more farm to table, mm-hmm. less go to the grocery store in a packaged food or a frozen food or a canned food. Right. And isn't it true that there are some of these toxins are really in the lining of cans, right? And then the lining mm-hmm. of different containers. Yeah. For bisphenol A, it's used in the lining of cans of foods that are really acidic. Mm-hmm. Um, so something like tomato, tomato sauce, uh-huh. tomatoes will have much more high bisphenol A content than... Um, another can, let, let's say, of green beans huh. or something like that. Because it's just coated differently. Yeah. it would erode the can. The exactly. acidity would erode the can. Other. So anything like, and, and so a citrus. Like, if you can eat fresh oranges, it's always going to be better than, I mean, most people don't eat canned oranges. But there are people who eat a lot of canned fruit oh, yeah. and veggies and, and ultimately, because mm-hmm. they're cheaper, right? Mm-hmm. And so whenever you can, buying fresh fruit and produce on sale as opposed to buying um, the right. packaged stuff. And even frozen is yeah. better because it's usually flash frozen yeah. um, and then canned. Then canned. Okay, and so, so frozen yeah. is often cheaper than yeah, yeah, canned. Than the canned. Right, um, right, right. So that's, right. you know, people always talk to me about, well, do you need to be rich to eat in the way to, to reduce your exposures? And absolutely not. I mean, mm. frozen foods in a lot of ways are just as good as fresh when, um, it, comes to when, toxins. when it comes to toxins. They mm. may not be as good nutritionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are uh, just as good in terms of reducing your exposures. So it is not an elitist, affluent. Um, yeah, I love that. I love that. Right. Idea. You don't have to be spending a ton of cash, right? Exactly. And, that, and I would, I would even say, like fast food is hyper-processed food that is stored in waste you don't even know because by right. the time you're getting it, you're getting it in a package, but it was in a different package Ugh. before it was prepared for you, right? So, yeah. and and I think some people go there with lower resources to fast food. We know that from the data mm-hmm. on how kids eat in this unit in the United States. Low phthalate foods, I love the list, which was like yogurt, lower fat milk, <laughs> eggs. I thought this was so funny. Rice, pasta, and then water, which I loved. I was like, even bottled water, right, yeah. had less phthalates than other things. I was like, oh, well, good. Yeah. Like, we can eat pasta and feel great about rice. We think about arsenic, but we won't get into that. Mm-hmm. And, the, um, you know, like, yeah. you know, they're di- so it's not all their foods are contaminated right. with phthalates. Right. right. The other concept I just want to get across is that some people might think it's one chemical that could cause a health impact, and it's never that simple. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of your entire milieu, um, mm-hmm. and it's it, – we are exposed in kind of low doses. If we had high exposures, it could be one chemical. And so that's why I try to talk about kind of more of these global messages of eating well in general and, um, you know, taking your shoes off when you come into your home and decreasing dust exposure, things like that, that really overall decrease your other exposures because it's not just one or two chemicals. It's, it's everything. It's your diet. It's um, how you live your life. 
Yeah, how you live in total, right? Mm-hmm. That if there is like, if you are obsessed with a certain canned peach and you let yourself have the canned peach once a month and you eat fresh fruits throughout the month, your exposure is going to be so low, right? right? And and I think ultimately too, you know, you're such an expert in this field of understanding how we measure and see where these chemicals are going through people's bodies. But one of the quotes that I noticed on the CDC page about phthalates um, was, you know, that quote, finding measurable BPA in the urine does not necessarily mean that there are bad health outcomes from that, right? And that's the place of your study. Yeah. So that we're exposed to all sorts of chemicals, and some of them likely cause all sorts of harm that we don't even know about yet, and we're just learning. But we don't think phthalates do us any good, right? right. Or like exactly. we don't think BPA does us any good. That is probably true, unless yeah. you think about more from an economic standpoint and, uh-huh. and the products that we use and how convenient they make our lives. Yeah. Um, so they, but they're certainly, from, from a health, health standpoint, are yeah. not doing us any good. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that. Um, well, um, Dr. Sheila is here really explaining the beginnings, I think, of this field in some ways that you've been a part of, of environmental health and understanding how to decrease exposures to some of these chemicals during pregnancy when a child's developing, and particularly at those young years when their organs and their brain is forming. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. The reality is parenting is a high-stakes job, but the good news is you've got this. Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc Podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful, and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at SeattleMamaDoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from.